Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thursday night edition of the Dunktown Basketball Podcast. End of the week. Thought we'd change it up a little bit here. We still have to go through some more free agents. This time the free agent big men. But I think we'll start with that because neither game today was of particular interest. Although we will get to, of course, your usual summaries of those. We are sponsored today by a new sponsor, Smile Direct Club. You can get their invisible aligner treatment for 70% less than other invisible aligner brands all from the comfort of your own home. I'm actually starting the treatment myself. I'll uh, give you some updates on uh, how the process began. And also CISO, go to CISO.com and use the promo code CAPSPACE at checkout to get one month free and then only $3.99 a month thereafter of the awesome comedy you crave. So when we start here with the free agent bigs, again, if you're listening to the, this series for the first time, we did the point guards and the wings over the last week or so. And the way we like to split these up, of course, is into tiers. Superstar, in which I have zero superstar free agent bigs available. Star, of which there are two. Starter, rotation, and then basically fringe. I think it's interesting that it seems like despite the fact that more wings really are needed, wings can almost play two through four at this point. And bigs, you know, probably most teams now are playing maybe like one and a half bigs throughout the game. Although, you know, some some of these players... I, I I think pretty much all of these would fall into the category of traditional bigs. We had the, the combo forwards are more on the wing side. Uh, and there's not as many of those available either. There's a lot of these guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a part of the, the story that I've been kind of working on in my head over the last couple of weeks is just the idea that fewer minutes, the supply of centers has, I would say, has gone up a little bit. And the demand has gone down because teams are playing fewer two big lineups and they're playing even some teams playing fewer one big lineups. So there are fewer players places for these type of guys and last year and this is something i wrote about for the sport news the the earliest movers on center free agents really really messed up <sighs> yes joakim noah timothy mozgov they just massive misevaluations of both the market and uh, of the players themselves of course and where their franchises were i mean it's really like just a, an awful triple play for the knicks and lakers but that's nothing new <laughs> from those franchises i think we can start though with the star category superstar to me is you know a top 15 player in the league maybe maybe even a top 10 player in the league so i felt very comfortable especially with the age of paul Millsap, who has a player option that he will almost certainly decline in Atlanta and both the age and more importantly injury history and just performance reduction of Blake Griffin who has an early termination option in LA Griffin 28 this offseason Millsap at 32 what are the chances you think that both of these guys get full max offer sheets or I shouldn't say offer sheets because they're not restricted, but offers either from their incumbent teams, which would be for Millsap, five years and $205 million. Uh, for another team, Millsap would sign for four years and $152 million. Uh, starting salary there, $35 million. And for Griffin, he did not, uh, we assume he's not going to make an All-NBA team this year with the, the time he missed due to injury and also just not being in the same league performance-wise as some of the, the players that are in this the mix for forward that his uh eight percent raises five-year deal would be five years 175 million and with another team four years four or four years five percent raises used to be 4.5 now it's five percent uh for 130.3 million what do you think the contract offers will be for these guys i think blake is still gonna get offered a full max or awfully close to it by the clippers he still has value for them just as a draw and as as such an identifiable player with their franchise we actually let me saw... break in there because sure. i think the draw idea is interesting and not even 
even draws in like oh man Blake Griffin is so amazing to watch him play although probably he still has that halo effect from when he was younger but also just the idea of like oh well you know Blake if he could just get healthy like you can almost kind of delude your fans into thinking that you're a contender because hey it's Blake Griffin he's this name on the team right and I I I feel like Balmer also has deep pockets and well I would be you know thinking about ownership we talked about this with the Raptors on the Twitter NBA show yesterday like with the Raptors that I would be more reluctant to lock in with their current team I'm not a billionaire I'm not somebody who owns a team and you never know how long you're going to be relevant so you have all that going there Millsap you have these competing forces at play with Atlanta's front office which is still taking interesting turns but considering they didn't make a full max offer to Al Horford I don't think they're going to do it for Millsap but I believe both these guys since it only takes one I think both will get four-year max offers or functionally four-year max offers from someone whether that ends up being what they take or not actually this is as good a time as any since you mentioned Millsap to talk about the shakeup in the Atlanta front office some interesting reporting drama Jeff Goodman reported that the Hawks have parted ways with Wes Wilcox then Woj reported no they haven't parted ways with him we will recall Wes Wilcox is was assistant general manager then was elevated to general manager below president Mike Budenholzer after the, the Danny Ferry uh insensitive racist comment scandal about Luol Deng so now though apparently Wilcox will be demoted and a new president will come in above Budenholzer who is going to instead focus on coaching very very interesting because it seemed like with Bud making the decisions they went for like the win now maximize the present type of moves they signed Dwight Howard which I still think was a totally fine contract uh even though he he, he looked kind of bad in the playoffs he had some uh, better moments earlier in the season their defense was good most of the year and they didn't trade away Millsap they didn't trade away Tabo Cephalosha they did trade Corver, but that was almost too good of a deal and they didn't really decline at all without Corver. they had all these other wings that they wanted to try and play instead so number one my question is like who is this person who's going to come in that I mean Wes Wilcox is a pretty experienced guy at this point who's going to come in with kind of like more of a pedigree and more gravitas like you don't see the idea of them hiring someone else from another organization who doesn't already have experience as a primary decision maker in the front office doesn't seem like that's going to really fly that they're just going to bring in some other guy who's never been a GM before and have this guy who was a GM who uh just got relieved of his duties now work below that guy uh and I assume that Wilcox will sort of continue to run things as they look for whoever this new uh honcho is going to be but you feel like it's got to be some kind of a name who's out of the game it's just but nobody necessarily comes to mind for me there um other than maybe larry bird uh that's the one but I, I that doesn't seem like the type of uh move that would be made but it does seem like this is being pushed by ownership and so ownership can kind of be seduced a little bit more by some of the big names it, it seems like i'm just i'm at a loss for like who this person could be does anyone come to mind to you at all of just even like a type of person it's so strange also because it sounds like what they're intending is for the people who have been the deciders recently to both be voices in the room for this new person which is weird for all people involved like the the warriors have kind of been used sometimes as an example or you could even some would say the spurs just with the way that popovich and rc buford have worked together but it's something different to say okay you had this job now you're focusing on something else but you're still a part of the decision making process and you're not going to be that you're not going to be making the final decision though and so it i i don't know who is sitting there saying that's the job i want because it just seems so fraught it does well i i mean i think it's more fraught for the guys who are going to be b- below uh and but it'll still be the coach for certain but uh, you know i mean it wouldn't surprise me if you know this is kind of like the same thing happens to wilcox as happened to sam hinkey where it's like oh no no he's staying on and then you know guess what he resigns five months later and and you know at this time of year they really need wilcox like if he leaves who's gonna run like the draft and free agency and stuff if they can't get this other guy in in time or at least help get that guy up to speed a little bit you know so it, it still wouldn't surprise me if Wilcox eventually ends up leaving or uh being forced out it's just they uh, if they're not going to just necessarily do that right now uh but again I mean it, it's and they probably I I think the only way they're going to keep Millsap 
is if maybe they don't offer him a full five-year max but if they offer him a five-year deal that's like 15 million guaranteed more than he could get from the four-year max elsewhere because i imagine that he will have such offers elsewhere i mean you would see, think of the denver nuggets certainly as being a prime suitor for Millsap, although i'm not sure how great of an idea that, that is Millsap was awesome in the playoffs though still i mean is it, how do you see him uh as a player still like how much longer can he even be this effective probably at this level maybe another year or two i think that's about fair the yeah. other team i thought he'd have a up- big drop off this year and he kind of did offensively but in the playoffs again he did look pretty good the two teams that i've thought of for him are denver and minnesota minnesota the fit with him in towns would be fascinating and if they can depending on what they do with their draft pick you know if they can go in some different directions there and then that allow you can create kind of a three-man team uh, at the big man spots with jang towns and and Millsap. of course you could also have done that same thing with cole aldrich and not had to pay jang what they did but i think that would be a, a really fascinating foundation for them if that's how they want to choose to spend their money in denver i mean i think Millsap Jokic would work well too orlando always a persistent paul Millsap suitor <laughs> <laughs> maybe they get into the mix as well uh miami you think maybe could be one they'll need a power forward they're gonna have the space uh i think he'd be an okay fit at least early on with with white side it's just you know the last two years of that contract especially if they really offer him the 35 million a year to start i mean that is just so massive for someone like paul Millsap at age 32 um you know that's going to end up being just a horrendous contract by the end of it i mean undersized power forward who's you know not a great shooter I mean, the fact that he's been able to stay this good defensively getting into his 30s is just incredible especially because he wasn't even known as a defensive guy in utah uh so i mean credit to him for continuing really to grow his career for into his early 30s but yeah i i do think that he's one of those guys where it kind of makes more sense when you're there i mean you know another uh maybe even like the rockets could be a destination for him potentially depending if they can move some some pieces around uh in terms of salary and also if they and Millsap is a great matchup against the Warriors who's their primary competition who are probably going to wax them in the conference finals if we get that far so still ways to go for all that but uh you know but he probably would have to take a little bit less to sign there you know that would be another thing that comes to mind what about Griffin where do you see him as a fit I mean you have to I don't think Boston I don't see them making a full max offer to him uh miami i'm not sure about but again it, it's very interesting with griffin 30 or griffin 28 Millsap 32 we're getting back to the time now where if not this year, then next year, if you're a good team, you're not going to have cap space again. You know, the way, back the way it used to be where if you want to go to a team with cap space, it's probably not a very good team. And then you've got old players who aren't going to put that team over the top. Right. And that's what, what Griffin's probably going to have to choose between is, you know, unlike some other guys, I think that his best option in terms of winning is, is probably staying in LA because, you know, I've, I'm sure there are other teams like if they could pull, if they could squeeze a little bit of, of excess contracts off their books that, you know, the Knicks seem like they would be interested, even though I don't think that makes any sense for them. The Lakers, you know, maybe as as a as a draw as kind of being their vet or that's something like that. But those to me would be very different decisions for Blake. Those are also lifestyle ones, and he can do that if he wants. But Yeah, and Millsap, the, by the way, too, he's gonna have max offers. Like the Knicks could probably come up with enough space if they wanted yeah, to i, I feel i feel his fully confident that Millsap. somebody's gonna yeah. give him the four years sacramento just phoenix probably not philly um you know th- not all those teams will just have 35 million dollars sitting around um but you know, the, a lot of them can figure out a way it's same thing with denver like the, they can figure out how to get there though um right chicago i mean depending on what happens with well, their guys probably probably they're probably just going to keep it. actually that's another God, thing i'm too. sure jimmy butler would love that get another get a fourth alpha yeah by the way uh quickly on the news uh it was discussed at the gar packs seasoning presser that they are likely to pick up the guarantee on rajon rondo on which they must decide by june 30th um well all right so anything else you want to say on griffin and Millsap before we get into the rest of this class just that i think i expect griffin to stay and i expect Millsap to go do you think the hawks make a five-year full max offer no yeah i i, I we'll see it depends who comes in too you know I mean, that's mm-hmm. the the other thing and and it's just it's interesting to me that Tony Ressler, their owner, decided to make this move at this time. You must feel like they're not on the right path, but they're like not really on any path right now either. So maybe he's going to say, hey, we're just going to rebuild at this point. Or maybe he's going to say, no, we got to make a big offer to him. And 
obviously i think there's a, a split within the franks the uh hawks front office about what they'd want to do as well uh, all right so we'll get to everyone else in a moment here but first this from smile direct club i was one of those morons my parents paid for me to get braces i had some really jacked up teeth actually when i was in high school um I had to get braces twice, in fact. And I always wore my retainer on the top, but the bottom, I was kind of like, hey, you know, it's the bottom. You don't really see it that much. And and I was just lazy about it. It was annoying to put it in. And now, like, you know, my lower teeth aren't awful, but they could be straighter. And I looked into getting invisible aligners before, and it was incredibly expensive. Like, these can cost up to $5,000 on average. Smile Direct Club aligners are 70% less. They work directly with state-certified dentists and orthodontists to Send custom invisible liners straight to your door in convenient monthly shipments. So you don't have to go into the office. In fact, they just send you an impression kit. And I actually did that. I'm waiting for my first aligners to arrive. But the impression kit was really easy. Basically, you just, they send you these two different bottles of molding and then you mix them together that activates them. You put it into the impression tray, hold it in your mouth for three minutes and 30 seconds. You do your two on your upper and two on your lower so that they make sure that you get a good one. And then you just mail it, prepaid postage back to them. The whole process took me 20 or 25 minutes. You also have to take photos of your teeth. And then, and that's basically exactly what an orthodontist would be doing if you were seeing you in person, but you don't really need to do it in person because they have the impression that you can take yourself. It's really easy to do. And obviously they're going to look at it. And if if you mess it up somehow, which I think would be pretty difficult to do, frankly, it was a very easy process. If you mess it up somehow, they'll tell you and say, hey, we got to do another one. But I found it all remarkably easy. So, so the way you get started with them, you can get an at-home impression for only $95. That's covered by their smile guarantee. So if they aren't a good fit for you, you just get your money back because it doesn't work for quite everybody, but most people it will. And with the special offer code CAPSPACE, you can actually save 50% on that $95 evaluation cost. So the way to get started with them, again, ju- just visit smiledirectclub.com. Use the promo code CAPSPACE. If you or your children or anyone else you know is interested in straightening their smile, smile that's smiledirectclub.com use the code capspace for 50 percent off your evaluation today only available in the u.s except north carolina so really among the unrestricted guys there aren't any surefire starters available unless you know mitch kupchak or phil jackson is doing the signing and even then the only two guys i look at it's as starters are serge Ibaka and dirk Nowitzki, who has a team option and you know he's not going to be going anywhere it's just a question of how much he's going to resign for if they decline that team option so Serge Ibaka rumors swirl around him at times that he is not his listed age of 27 but I thought he has looked pretty spry athletically in the playoffs Toronto traded for him they have his full bird rights after he was traded to Orlando and Orlando had to sell him off for a lot less than they paid for him does it feel to you like they're gonna like he's gonna stay in Toronto because at this point they're down 2-0 to the Cavs it's very difficult to imagine that's a competitive series let's imagine that you know best case scenario they lose in six and they look really bad it's basically it seems like it's just gonna be last year is the best case scenario and it could even be worse than that I do think that there's a very real chance that he comes back but remember that Serge Ibaka has still been on this what we've considered for years to be below market extension you know this is he's still on his rookie extension the one that he signed right around the same time that James Harden had those perilous negotiations and fateful negotiations with the Oklahoma City Thunder Brass so he could certainly be looking to cash out I I don't know exactly who's gonna back up the Brinks truck for him though I always assume with a player as talented as Ibaka that somebody will and that could force Toronto's hand a little bit but at the same point you know Toronto put themselves in this position where they added players who are on reasonable contracts now, but also have full bird rights. And they didn't give up a ton, you know, to get Ibaka or PJ Tucker. Oh, they gave up more, obviously, in terms of Ross and a first round pick to get Ibaka. But I think that they will go to a reasonable degree for him. But if somebody does something stupid, like offering him like a, well, I guess it would only be a four year max, but if somebody offers him a full maximum, maybe they wouldn't match that. 
Yeah, Baca will have eight years of experience, so he'll be in the 30% max. Uh, I don't, and here's a question first off. I asked you this when the trade was made and you had like some comically low number, which I think, but I think you walked back on it when you thought about it a little bit more, which, you know, we all do at times. But I'll ask it again. What would you feel comfortable paying him if you were a GM, you know, with him at 27 right now, question mark? So it's certainly fair to consider him a starter, like maybe an above average starter at this point, whether he will stay there for the next for the duration of that contract is an open question. You know, like you think about that, he assuming his listed age is at least close to correct, he he will be about the age at the end of that contract. If you're another team that Millsap is right now, which is interesting and could be a selling point that he uses. I think I would feel comfortable signing him to something that started around 20 million but i assume somebody else will push it a lot higher than that probably to around 25 maybe even higher than that yeah something like four years 80 million with maybe the fourth year 10 million guaranteed would be something i would i would think would be reasonable especially if i was a team that again was kind of really needed to make a push forward was was thinking about being it i think he actually you know a team like boston if they strike out on all their guys they actually could use someone like him who plays with a little more force and then just make him a full-time center um we have seen some of his limitations offensively as well trying to make plays in the pick and roll in the these playoffs he, he does not appear to be capable of doing that uh and he blocks shots but he's not as elite of a one-on-one defender as you might expect given his physical tools but i think he's like a solid starter i mean if you think about for example like david west when he first went to the pacers right like he got like three years and 36 million and he was a little bit older than abaka's listed age right now different kind of players but that's kind of what i would think and you know 12 million back then is basically closer to you know probably 22 to 24 million now but that was again only three years but that's kind of what i'm thinking he's really worth um but you know you never know it could be a a lot more for him or it'll be and then he's affected a lot by just what else happens in toronto too with lowry if lowry doesn't if come back then it's like hey you know we're not going to be good anyway why are we going to re-sign ibaka maybe they re-sign him just to trade him but then they also have two other unrestricted power forwards, PJ Tucker and Patrick Patterson, both of whom they have uh, full bird rights on it as well. Um, and, and maybe we can roll into some of the rotation guys now. Uh, and a few of those names that I have kind of at the top of this list, Taj Gibson, age 32, Patterson, 28, uh, Gasol, who has a player option that he is probably going to pick up. So he probably won't be on this list, but he's 36. Uh, Greg Monroe has a player option as well. He's 27, whether he unclear whether he'll opt out or not i mean he's one guy who might get close to being in the starter category for me given his age uh and and then after that you kind of get into more limited pure centered uh, type of players um uh, guys who are either older or you know clearly not starters uh and this is still on the unrestricted side there's a lot on the on the restricted side to get to that i think are, are interesting options too anything stick out about those names in particular to you the ones I just mentioned. I mean, Gibson, Patterson, th- those are two, I think, that are, are interesting players to me. Yeah, and they're players that have a lot to decide. Again, I talked about the idea of Serge Ibaka having a below market extension. Taj Gibson has been on relatively cheap contracts, and so has Patrick Patterson for years. So if those guys want to take some money, they'll probably be doing it from worse teams because, as you said, we're getting away from the time of, of good teams having money. And while those guys aren't getting max money, it's still the same kind of circumstance considering their best role on a good team is probably being i would say the third big do you think that's fair yeah i think so i I mean i like gibson as more of a backup center i think as a power forward with a shooting center he could make sense too i think if you're playing him with a traditional center your offense is never going to be that good he's just not that good of of a shooter he's never really developed any kind of like even a corner three that we've seen him comfortable taking although he's played in some pretty antiquated offenses so so it's perfect to just sign they should just sign him in orlando yeah uh gibson gibson and patterson are two guys who I think if we see Miami and Boston strike out in some of the big guys that they could be fallback options for those type of teams Gibson in Boston in particular I mean maybe they just re-sign Kelly Olenek and then you know Amir Johnson will be gone now so they you had a three-man big rotation of Gibson and Horford and Olenek uh Gibson would actually be a pretty good fit next to Olenek I think that type of shooting center uh, that we talked about and you have to imagine someone like Gibson I, I realize he hasn't gotten 
gotten paid but just as a vet as a quality guy i mean it could just be that a team will just feel like hey this guy's a great vet and a great leader and you know we'll break the bank for him what else do we have to spend our money on as as a bad team and maybe he that'll just be so much money that he just has to kind of take it um yeah imagine imagine how much we would be talking about him going to minnesota if they hadn't paid jang yeah and he'd be a better option than jang i think so agree well and and maybe he could end up there anyway who knows like minnesota's got 35 million bucks potentially in space and who knows what the heck they're they're going to use it on um go through a few more names here as well Dwayne Dedman he will almost certainly decline his player option for about three million next year he is older than you think 27 he came into the league pretty old uh hasn't really made any money in his career and so you have to imagine he'll be looking for one of the bigger paydays somewhat of a disastrous playoffs for him so far I mean he was starting for this team and then he had that illness and just you know didn't really earn pop's trust we thought he might play more in game two than he didn't play at all um perhaps as the result of the fact that he got in that skirmish and pop doesn't really care for that type of stuff but i still think deadman has played well i'm not sure that i would sign him and be like you know to like 15 million a year and be like hey this guy's my starting center but you know i think he's earned a contract in that you know kind of seven to nine million dollar a year range for like three years uh would be something i would think about for him but I think he's if pretty he could, offensively limited. If he could get that sort of a deal, I think that team would probably end up being very happy with it. There is a, a real issue with all the guys that we've talked about in this group where I feel like some team is going to make a mistake. Like we have them valued. It's exactly what happened with Mozgov, where we have this kind of idea of, okay, this is what they are. This is what they're worth. I don't see anyone but, making eight times more than what no, we think they're going to well, this no, year. No, no, no. What, I, but, did, what but, I mean by that is it's uh, obviously that is the extreme of this example, but but it's the idea that one or two teams are going to really like that player in particular and are going to offer them more. And that's why that's why guys sometimes get get paid more, not than our expectations necessarily, but than we would do is because you when you kind of tie those valuations in. And so I wouldn't be surprised at all if Deadman gets eight figures. I'm not completely sold on it. I'm not. There was a point in the season when I was convinced of it. I'm not there at this point now, but he could make somebody very happy. And when you think about the fact that he's 27 and you can and just kind of slot him in maybe you don't slot him in for 30 minutes a game at center but 20 something like that you know that there's a there's a distinct value to that with somebody who could be a really solid defender let's get into the restricted guys now because i think that they're a little bit more interesting and then we can kind of just run through what some, some of the other guys are at least get the names out there for some of these other rotation bigs the only guy i had classified as a starter is nerland's noel 23 was traded to the mavericks his agent is dan fagan you have to he and Mark Cuban usually are a pretty buddy-buddy. Although, actually, now that Fagan has been fired from Relativity Sports, maybe that's changed. Um, you remember that whole deal. So, but, but nonetheless, you have to imagine that there is at least some kind of an inkling when the Mavericks made that trade that of what Noel's price would be and that they were willing to meet it uh, because they didn't make a huge investment, a couple of second rounders and Justin Anderson. And I thought that was a good trade for them. But if you are the Mavericks, I don't want to say what your opening offer is, but you go into July 1st, nobody else can really make an offer yet. I mean, they can make an offer, but you know, you can't sign an offer sheet for eight days the unrestricted money is going to go first before the restricted money it usually does what offer are you making to nerlands that you think he would reasonably accept uh to just kind of lock him up and not try and go get offer sheets elsewhere i think you're hoping for 15 starting starting at 15 i don't think you're going to necessarily get him at that but i think that's what you're hoping for so i would think something maybe like 16 and a half or something in that range yeah you certainly think that he's going to think he's going to get 20 million and again i especially these especially these restricted free agents they in particular are going to be very difficult for for, to come to an agreement because you know they're going to be waiting around for other offers and considering where the market is again all these guys are going to look at last year and be like hey compare me to this guy i should be getting paid this much but you know not realizing that there's less money out there this year if i had to predict where they end up you know it's got to be more probably than someone like biombo got last year which was i think uh like four for 72 yeah his is 17 flat okay yeah that's almost the exactly what i think nerlens is gonna get yeah something along those lines i mean like just probably like good starting center money he might say no i'm worth more than that you know i I would imagine that for him if you made the offer at 20 million maybe that gets it done but i mean that's kind of where i see the sweet spot especially due to his injury history if he didn't have that injury history you know then he could probably be asking for like 25 so and, and maybe this is one of those ones where the sweet spot is well all right i'll take less money but give me a player option so i can get back on the market when i'm 20 
26. Uh, and re, you know, I realize that there's some risk. I can get the life changing money now, but then I still have a chance if I really outperform this to get back on in a mere three years and I'll still be, you know, right in my prime during that period. I could see that. I also who, wonder. Who, who is, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to ask who is an offer sheet, but if you want to finish that thought first. Well, yeah, that's where I was going to go is, is the yeah. idea that for these higher end guys, and this is different than the wings where having Dallas trade for him is so different than if Philadelphia had him still, because I think Dallas trading for him is going to chill the market because you're just sitting there going, well, why are we going to raise his, why are we going to raise that? Do we like, yeah, it makes Dan Fagan happy. But outside of that, like we, Dallas just gave this up. Their cap flexibility is very strange and there isn't another guy like Nerlens on the market. So you're not sitting there going like, oh, well we can, if he gets overpaid, we can just pivot to maybe, I guess it'd be Deadman or somebody like that. So I think that that's going to just, I think that's going to push him back in the pecking order. And one of the nuances of this summer that's so different from last summer is a lot of these teams, once they get like one or two guys, they're just out. Like they're not going to be in the Nerlens Derby anymore. So I think we could be sitting there on like July 5th and there are only like three teams left that are have space. And it's going to be kind of a Russian roulette on whether those are teams that need centers or not. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, you know, Boston is not to be interested. Maybe Brooklyn, you could say it would be. And remember, you know, if someone's going to make an offer, this is who would make an offer at more than $20 million a year. Because unless it's you're over $20 million a year, there's no chance you're getting them. They're just going to match. Um, and most of these teams don't need centers. Like Minnesota has space. They have no use for them. Sacramento, they've got like a billion young centers already, right? Philly, obviously, plenty of centers there. Orlando, plenty of centers there. The Knicks actually could really use him, probably. Uh but, you know, they've already got a lot of money tied up in, in center as, as well. Uh, and, and they desperately need a point guard. They're going to use their money on that, most likely. Phoenix maybe comes to mind, especially if they move on from Alex Len. If they were to do that, Phoenix could get to $27 million in space. That actually might be a potential option for them. Because I, I don't see them really trying to sign a veteran. But he is a guy who I think would actually fit in really well. And, and I can't imagine that they have that much interest in in Len. I mean, any other teams that you see as a potential suitor for Noel? I mean, Indiana doesn't need a center. The Lakers, no. Miami, no. Bulls, no. There's just not that many suitors out there for Nerland's Noel here. It's so depressing that the two most logical suitors for him outside of his current team are the Lakers and the Knicks, and those two teams spent so much money over the summer. <laughs> It really is. Like he would be it's a good really fit remarkable. on either of those teams. No, it's absolutely true. Let's talk about yeah. some of these other restricted free agents, though. Yeah, let's get into it. I, I think this is a fascinating group because there are two different dynamics that are unusual. One is there are a couple of these guys that I could really see changing teams, either because their qualifying offers get rescinded, like Kelly Olynyk could be, or just because somebody falls in love with that guy and makes them an offer that the team decides not to match. Yeah. So here's who's in this group. I'll just run down the names: Jamichael green combo forward he's older than you think 27 uh he'll be he's a restricted free agent kelly olenek 26 mason Plumley, 27 the apple of denver's eye after they traded nurkic and a first rounder to get him Alex Len, 24. Cristiano Felicio, who's uh, Arenas Limited at 24 for the Bulls. And then Alan Williams, uh, also Arenas Limited. Neither of those guys will that matter for. But I think the, that list of five, let's hold Green out of that. I think he's in a little bit of a different category just as a combo forward. Uh, but Olenek, Plumley, uh, and Miritich is too. But Olenek, Plumley, Miritich, Len, those are all players that their teams made pretty significant investments in them initially. And it does seem like all of them could be had potentially with the right offer you wonder about denver uh but again like we talked about this we just went through the list of potential nerland suitors who's out there for these guys who aren't even as good as nerland's like nerland's at least i understand paying for him because he is young he's younger than all these guys and he has like potential game-changing defensive upside if he figures it out whereas i don't see any of these guys as high upside players at all right and it's so weird that you know a a lot of these guys have had nice stretches. I mean, Mason Plumley, you know, he had that the, the whole like it's not a matter of if he gets a triple double, it's when like he had that stretch. Olinick <laughs> has had some has had some good time. Miritich, you know, he had that great march, but at this point, they just don't have much sizzle. And it's really really dangerous to be a restricted free agent that doesn't have sizzle because those are players that just get put deep on the back burner. Yeah, and I think if I'm Denver, I am 
squeezing the hell out of Mason Plumley. Like, where is he going to go? Who's going to make him an offer sheet? And, you know, he's a guy, he, especially considering how old he is, he wants to take the qualifying offer. Fine, fine. You know, and, and maybe this could be a situation where he just holds out. But, you know, they've still got like Darrell Arthur who can play a little bit of backup center. Like, you can find backup centers who could be like placeholders. Um, and, you know, as I said, I don't think Plumley is, is really that good. Uh, Olinick, I don't think he can ever be a starter, especially when you consider he's already 26 because he's can shoot it i mean i think offensively he's excellent but just too limited defensively at either big position uh to really be a guy that you're relying on as a starter unless maybe you have just some great guys around him uh i mean i think Olenek tries and, and executes but just arms are too short can't jump like it's it, it's difficult for him who do you like the best out of all those guys I think Miritich is the one that I oh so we're not counting Jermichael Green right because I like him the best but yeah if, I think that's right too I mean we don't know whether his shooting is real or not but just the fact that he can defend which none of these other guys really can I mean that's that's the other interesting thing is you know Len can like kind of take up space but I I mean he just reminds me a lot of kind of Myers Leonard last year where it's just like all right you know I guess we'll pay him 10 million a year if he wants it and it, also interesting is that his cap hold is like 13 million because he's a pretty he was the number five pick in 2013 um yeah he was chosen yeah, yeah, yeah and well that's right yeah i mean he was red who was red flagged by phoenix's uh medical staff so i would probably go with miritich on and that makes me queasy to say but yeah. the reason so i guess that by the way that i guess that means he's he won't now that i remember it that phoenix probably won't make neurons an offer <laughs> uh if he was red flagged by them four years ago and he hasn't exactly been that healthy since then so sorry sorry i interrupted you but that, no, that's no probably not gonna but happen so, now so the reason is i don't really trust any of those guys defensively so if i don't trust anybody defensively i'm gonna go with the guy who plays power forward straight up like we know that we he can play power forward because that deficiency can be handled so i, I think Viritich is actually the best defensive player out of any of these guys for his position which is crazy to that. think about yeah well oh yeah because we're not counting i i think felicio has some fascinating defensive potential yeah that's true but but he's just not in the same category like he hasn't played no. nearly as much as uh, all the rest of these guys although i i agree with you i mean if you if you t- just ask me straight up would i rather have Cristiano? felicio or alex len on my team i would rather cristiano felicio so would i because felicio actually he hasn't had a chance to show this at all like, he could shoot like some team is going to sign him i hope and you know maybe he'll, he'll, and he is arenas limited so i think you know he's not i don't see the bulls necessarily they need a backup center too they don't have any other backup centers on the roster so they'll probably try to keep him around but he can shoot like some team is going to take advantage of that hopefully at some point yeah, I wish that he was unrestricted and he could just go to that right spot. You think about what like what happened with Seth Curry and you know that you don't usually see teams or even Deadman like teams just withdraw their withdraw a reasonable qualifying offer to a guy and they just end up in a way better situation. But that's what I hope for for with Felicio because he could certainly do that. But you know, maybe Hoiberg can maximize him a little bit in the future. I, I'm vaguely optimistic, but I feel like he's going to be back next year. Very quickly, Jamichael Green, over under $30 million in guaranteed money for his next contract. Over, but maybe not that much over. That seems about right. I, I think he's, you know, 10 to $12 million a year player, not four years, would be what I would hope for. Um, and, and again, they've got him as a restricted free agent, but they're also capped out. So uh, maybe run into the luxury tax, depending on what happens with Tony Allen and uh, and Zach Randolph, who we'll get to now. I mean, the, there's now this other category of Zach Randolph, Nene, Salsa Petrulia, Andrew Bogut, Amir Johnson, Mo Spates of kind of veteran backup centers, all 29 or older. Randolph is 35, Nene and 34, Petrulia 33, Bogut 32. Amir Johnson is 30, but he seems a lot older than that when you watch him play. So I have a pet theory with this group. I feel like they're all, one of the things that's going to happen with this constricting center market that I've been talking about intermittently for the last half hour is that the margins between these guys taking more money on a bad team team and taking less money on a good team i think those margins are actually going to tighten compared to where they've been so i think that might lead them to better teams but here's my prediction one of them is going to get a stupid high offer and that and it's just going to look so unbelievable compared to what the other guys get i don't know who it's going to be i think it might be in a group yeah i don't know about Nene. i mean there's a reason i'm not entirely sure what it is but there's a reason he only got the room exception last year but i I do agree with you though and the reason why those offers are so bad is i mean we, we talked about all these guys like is there that much of a difference between all these guys nene actually i'd put at the top of that list by quite a wide margin especially the way he's played in the playoffs um but there's just i mean if you kind of just like all right you know we need a decent big man and we're just a normal team we're not like 
some contender where it's like every weakness of this guy is going to get broken down as we get into the western conference finals or something you know there's just not that much difference between these guys and, and as you said whoever ends up paying like a fair amount of years and dollars to guys in this type of group and you could throw aaron baines in there as well he's got a player option for about uh six million bucks or so that everyone expects him to decline i don't know if he's actually going to do that he'll probably get some more years i don't know if he's actually going to do that another guy i like who's is uh and, and we'll kind of go into the lightning wrong here uh willie reed is in this group as a center at age 27 he'll be unrestricted i thought he's kind of a crazy guy but he can do some things uh he's pretty good athletically and again there's not i mean not a ton of youth on this list mike mascala is someone who's on that list he'll be unrestricted i think he i like him as a backup center just because he can spread the floor and he's okay as a rim protector um David West, you presume he'll do the minimum thing again. He's, he still has got it, though. I mean, he'll be 37, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Anthony Tolliver and Boris DR, potential guys who are non-guaranteed for next year or partially guaranteed. Those guys uh, could be in there. David Lee, 34, he'll have a player option for the minimum, which he'll almost certainly decline. Um Dante Cunningham, he's 30. He'll he is reportedly per Chris Haynes gonna decline his player option. I think he he can get he was making three million a year. I think he can get a couple more years at least at that number and maybe even a little bit more. Um so nobody uh, I, of all those names that we said there, let's leave Nene and Zach Randolph out of it. Who is like your number one choice if you're looking for I'll give you I'll give you A a backup center and B a power forward. Give me your top guy in that list of all the guys I just named. So so for a single season backup center, I think I'd go David West. I think he can be a really nice yeah. piece for that. He's so stable and he, he fits in a lot of places for a four. Hmm. What, what if you take David West off off of the list here? Because I, you have to imagine he's only going to go for a contender. If you're just like probably, a normal team. Probably Aaron Baines then. I like Aaron Baines. You like Baines. him better than Amir Johnson? I think I do. As a straight five, just, you know, kind of plug and play him in that spot. There, there, It's a kind of eye in the beauty in the eye of the beholder a little bit. He had a and better th- year than I ever thought he would have this year, but I still think he's pretty limited. And then for the four, you know that I've liked Ersan Ilyasova for years, and I think that he still has a part to play on a successful team. I also really like Mascala kind of as a third big, whether you want to define him as a four or a five. And he's also 25, which is way younger than all yeah. these other guys. I'd be happy to throw some money at him too. Muscala and Reed would be the guys I'd be focusing on because I think, you know, at 20, 25 and 27 respectively, they also don't quite have the pedigrees of some of these other guys. So I think they'd be way cheaper. And if these other guys, and I think they're more versatile, especially Muscala with his ability to shoot the ball, they don't have a ton of heft, but I don't think that's really that important in today's day and age. I think they're either the athleticism of Reed or the shooting ability of Muscala. And most importantly, the fact that they think they'll be cheaper than some of these established guys and still on young enough to have a little bit of upside um yeah i think that's it and then among the combo forwards you, you like Ilya sova i still think jarebko although he is 30 it's a little bit underrated just because he can switch a little bit tolliver i liked a little bit more a couple years ago but he shot the ball well for sacramento at times this year he's 32 so this isn't like that sexy of a group but this is this is like where you know if you have part of your mid-level exception or you know you've got 10 million in space and it's like all right we're gonna spend 10 million on this guy or we're gonna roll the dice with someone a little bit less established but maybe younger for three million but who might actually end up being better like that's kind of the type of decisions that need to be made among in this group to me i was just thinking about the idea of whether willie reed is going to get a contract that we like better than mason Plumley. oh yeah i mean well you you know i'm not a huge fan of yeah but we could see mason's um, value drop a little bit i know nuggets fans oh and i i actually got some when i wrote the sn piece i got some nuggets fans going does that mean we're not going to overpay for mason plumley and i said i don't know i hope i hope you don't all right on the fringe guys we don't need to go through all these but just give me two centers and two power forwards that you like the best out of everyone who's on on that list among uh among the unrestricted guys jeff withy i still think that his ceiling as a you know as a potential rotation big and as a shot yeah. blocker he should maybe even be in the rotation like yeah. I, I did this I actually list a i think earlier and i think i moved him yeah. down actually kind of because of all this the stuff that's going on right now a little bit with him and everything else like i think that's where he might be priced and if that's true then then it's a good value and in terms of let's see i would say then my in terms of fours i'd probably go mike scott another guy who's been dealing with some trouble recently but he's been it looks like he's been cleared of it which is which is certainly good news for him i like mike scott 
Scott's ability to to kind of be a little bit maybe to be a rotation guy for certain minutes and the fact that you're probably going to be getting him cheaper I'm in, I'm intrigued by him there and then I'm still periodically a believer in Demo I mean God we could talk about what happened to him this year for days No let's not we've probably we've no. probably spent like an no. hour on that <laughs> No I, I know but what if I mean just think about think about his whole process and where he is right now yeah. I think those are the three guys of that group and Beasley had a nice year I I, th- I think Beasley yeah, and, he and, probably had the best year of anyone that we have classified in here and he maybe even deserves to be in the rotation area again we did this at the start of the year for some of yeah. these so um and I, I'd be interested to see if Tiago Splitter can he's 32 if he can just kind of give somebody 10 minutes a game uh I know he's missed just so much time with injuries now. He may just not have it anymore. But he was a pretty damn good player before he like basically missed these last two seasons with injuries. I get it. He's 32, so maybe he'll just never come back. But I mean, of all the players on this list in the fringe section, he's played, had the best seasons and played at the highest level of anybody on there. And Jared Solinger is another guy too. It's just, he's got to just lose some weight. I mean, it's crazy. Guy weighs like, you know, over 350. It's completely insane. Um, So, all right. That's about it. And then on the fringe, restricted Joffrey Laverne at 25, James Michael McAdoo, 24, and uh, Salah Mejri, uh, who actually has a team option uh, with the Mavericks as well, which I, I would imagine they would exercise uh, since he's played. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to um, be they're not going to be squeezing out that little incy bit, bit of space. And I think he can contribute. He, he played played a little bit for them. I will be back to talk briefly about today's games. Not that long, but enough to give you the flavor of it for sure right after this from CISO. Comedy nerds rejoice! CISO has the comedy you crave from your favorite comedians. Paul F. Tompkins, Dan Harmon, Wyatt Senek, and Jonah Ray in hilarious knee-slapping CISO original series. Have you ever actually slapped your knee while laughing? I actually think I have, but I don't remember when it was. It was like once or twice. I leaned over once like on my knee, and I think that's close enough. I've actually done it, and I always would like ironically say, oh, that's a real knee-slapper when someone would make like a terrible joke when I was like in high school. And then at one point, I actually found myself doing it. It's kind of like, it's kind of enjoyable to do if you're just like really repeatedly laughing. So here's some other stuff that that CISO has. How about a dark British comedy about a depressed, dysfunctional family starring Olivia Coleman and Julian Barrett? Yes. A fake reality show with fabulous improv performances and created by the geniuses behind Comedy Bang Bang and Reno 911? Yep, CISO has that too. Plus with CISO, you get unlimited access to next day, late night hilarious stand-up specials and binge-worthy classics this is my favorite part of CISO all 42 seasons of SNL and the entire Monty Python catalog all of it is on demand and ad-free you can access it anytime on your iPhone Android Roku really any way that you can access apps and and watch streaming video for just $3.99 a month and our listeners can even get a month free when you sign up at CISO.com S-E-E-S-O.com and use the promo code CAPSPACE at checkout that's easy to remember we've been talking about cap space all program so not hard to remember that one that's pretty much every single one of our offer codes or urls that uses cap space this is the best offer that they have going right now one month for free of laugh your ass off comedy just by using the promo code cap space once again CISO, seeso.com promo code cap space let's be real quick here on boston and washington this game was like the exact same first quarter from the first two games except then washington just didn't blow it afterwards i think the most surprising part of this game came a couple minutes in well not a couple minutes it was like eight minutes in so washington had already built a lead i think they were up about 17 points so you know they had that they had that the start of that big run and then they bring in Bojan bogdanovich and brandon jennings and they're like oh okay you know here's where you start to see the signs of life for the celtics and no no you did not that was when they continued that run and really pushed it to i wouldn't ever call a lead in this series insurmountable for the wizards but to a lead that was never eventually surmounted yeah I mean, I don't think they ever really got it any closer than like the high teens after a massive 22 to 0 run from when the game was tied at 12. And the big difference in this game was that Washington's defense actually came to play because even in those first, I shouldn't say it was a carbon copy of the first two games, first quarters, because even in those games, Boston scored just fine. And in this first quarter, it was 39 to 17. They only had 17 points, 77 offensive rating. Uh, While, of course, the Wizards had 39 points on 23 possessions in, in the first quarter, Boston turned it over like crazy. 
27%. They barely even got 50% of their defensive rebounds in that first quarter, and they just couldn't score. And I thought what really started the run was an awesome defensive stretch by John Wall. He was just busting his ass, and then at one point, he got fouled and was just like laying on the ground, completely exhausted after he got in a, a deflection. But the effort that he had, first he got beaten by Avery Bradley, as who he was on on a switch, blocks him from behind. Next possession, and they score. Next possession, he pokes the ball away from Isaiah Thomas, gets it back, sprints down, feeds Otto Porter for a layup. Next possession, Gerald Green dribbles for 15 seconds, passes it to Al Horford. Horford tries to do a handoff to Isaiah. John Wall denies him, and Al Horford ends up traveling, trying to hand it off to Isaiah, and then w- was surprised by the denial of Wall. And then they scored again on the next possession, and that was basically just like three stops in a row by wall and then three buckets to start off that run then they take isaiah thomas out of the game as they normally would about four minutes left in the first quarter they left gerald green in he started again over amir johnson and then it was the marcus smart show and it wasn't a good show because he missed the layup they got a three in transition he missed a three he traveled i think he had another turnover as well he he looked really bad uh and just the washington defense was really good like uh, otto porter had a steal uh, off of a smart pass trying to find al horford in the pick and roll he came in from the weak side and stole it and porter was outstanding in this game too 19 points on 8 out of 13 didn't even make any of his threes but just was getting to the rim they started posting him up later in the game against Isaiah where he had not really taken advantage of that matchup at all he got a lot more aggressive and 8 out of 10 on two pointers for Otto Porter much more of what they need for him Gortat was awesome early uh, and also Jan Mahimi was able to return in this one as well only disappointment for Washington Brad Beal still struggling four out of 12 but the game was never close so it didn't really matter that much and uh, every single Wizards bench player was positive and even guys like Trey Burke got in for 10 minutes like McClellan Bogdanovich played 29 minutes you mentioned he was awesome he had 19 points had a couple of big threes in that 22 to 0 run uh, and nobody really played played good for Boston Thomas couldn't get loose I mean the fact he only had eight field goal attempts uh did go seven of 11 from the line which is not a great percentage for him and only four assists so he really was contained pretty well in his 29 minutes and for Boston their overall offensive rating for the game only 94 and only one Boston player who took more than two field goal attempts shot 50 percent and that was Horford at five for eight every other Boston player who took more than two field goal attempts shot under 50 percent including Smart, two for nine, Jalen Brown, three for nine, uh, Bradley and Thomas were both three for eight. It was really a pretty miserable offensive performance from the Celtics. The only other thing I think we have to talk about is the skirmish between, well, I don't even know if it counts as a skirmish because there wasn't much back and forth between Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olenek. And my instinct, so basically to summarize it for people who didn't see the game, Kelly Oubre took, in, took offense to a screen set by Olenek and went after him and basically full-on shoved him but the part of the problem and why I think Oubre is he got tossed from the game but why I think he's going to get a game on top of it is because involved in the push he also hit the ref who was trying to separate them and that's generally something the league comes down pretty hard on yeah that'd be interesting my prediction is a one game suspension I mean if this is the playoffs number one so I think like multiple game suspensions are less likely than they would be in the regular season number two like Serge Ibaka and Robin Lopez like actually threw punches at each other uh and only got one game each and Ubre, i know he did run into the rough accidentally uh but then olenic like completely flopped like Ubre didn't hit him as hard as it appeared that he did it i mean it was kind of scary because he sprinted like 20 20 steps to like go knock him backwards so it looked like he was really going in on it but he didn't take a swing at him he just shoved him he got ejected from this game i think he'll miss one more they'll hopefully be fine without him uh and I guess the next thing to talk about here is just is there anything that I would change if I were Boston I think I probably would dump Gerald Green but then the question is who's it going to be they tried going big with Amir that didn't work maybe they could try a Linux, but I don't think he can really match up with Markeith Morris very well or Gortat in pick and roll I don't think you want a Linux out there with John Wall because he's just not going to be able to protect the rim against John Wall is it going to be Jalen Brown he had a couple of nice games but wasn't very good in this one they've been winning with Gerald Green maybe they just go with them anyway just to get a little bit more shooting on the floor uh smart hasn't been playing well he, he's got a and he's the backup point guard essentially so he's got to come in for thomas so i don't know if i would change up i mean it seems kind of weird that gerald green is the starter that they've been using but i think they're 
pretty decent reasons for that and i probably would not change that if i were boston and uh we'll, we'll see what happens and for washington you know markeith hopefully getting a little healthier they still got to find a way to get beal open i mean Brad, bradley still is giving him major problems in this series but an encouraging win for washington and they can get right back in it with another win which i think they would be favored to get uh in game four yeah and as we said boston's adjustments are going to be hard because they just don't have a clear-cut fit i might even consider olenic just for the idea of having a little bit even though his size is imperfect but just to to have that on to try to reduce the offensive rebounds not that washington was killing them there necessarily this wasn't really an offensive rebound type of game but i'd consider it i don't know that uh, i'm so apathetic to the other boston guys that i don't even know that there's a single guy that i'm like i i want to i want i don't want i'm not i'm not a banner man for any of those guys very game of thrones banner man uh so in oakland the game that we were at 115 104 warriors they charged out to a 33 to 13 lead in the first quarter and then actually it was very interesting utah started playing a lot faster i thought that was a big development for me something that you've begged them to do for years i asked quinn snyder in the post game about whether he made a concerted effort to play faster and he stopped short of saying that he kind of went with some platitudes of hey you know we always try to do whatever we can do to win but then he did say yeah against this team you got to get down there faster because they're switching more we need more time in the clock and also i think the warriors just are vulnerable in transition defense like they're just not that good at it they uh, uh, i mean there are plays where utah was uh, on a dead ball was like catching them out a little bit they just don't match up that well in transition they'll kind of get a little lazy about their matchups and just guard whoever's the closest to them and every once in a while they'll just you know two guys will guard the same person uh so i, I did like that aspect from utah the Warriors also just like kicked the ball all over the gym with 17 turnovers and it's just some a few like really bad turnovers as well that I wouldn't necessarily say that Utah was really even forcing that many turnovers because a that's not what they do and b just if you look at the nature of these turnovers it's not like oh man this guy wanted to play to get his hand in this ball or you know he really was pressuring him up and like forced him into this it was just kind of the Warriors just unforced turnovers like bad passes lazy passes um and other than that uh what's stood out here for you i guess gordon hayward was awesome we should probably talk about that yeah two things that i wanted to talk about so one gordon hayward he really he was very frustrating to me in the very beginning of the game because the warriors just kept on being okay with zaza Pachulia being on him and hayward was not attacking aggressively enough you know he has a major advantage there he wasn't going after that i was frustrated but then he ended up having a very nice game was making some some clean looks some contested looks also got to the line nine times was eight and nine from the line final one was with 33 points 11 to 21 from the field I thought he looked better than he's looked in a, in a little while and he's had a wonderful playoffs by and large you know other than the food poisoning game and then I think it was game six where he struggled other than that I think he's done very well but then the other one what really did swing the game early on was Draymond Green three-point shooter he was five of seven from three in the first half and that was a huge part of the Warriors run because in that first quarter alone he was four of five from three yeah that was huge and also the defense I mean holding them to, to 13 points and, and the Warriors definitely their focus waned a little bit but I did think getting back to Hayward he was making some really tough shots started playing with some more confidence was three out of eight on threes and I thought that the playing faster really helped him in particular to be able to attack and to do it with no conscience I think he's he likes to play within the system they like everyone to touch the ball everyone to move the ball they feel like people are more motivated defensively if everyone gets a touch but they got away from that and they're okay taking quick shots here you know if they did a drag screen transition they're fine hey all right pull up you're open you know take it uh and he was able to get going there i mean he made some impossible fadeaways in the lane he had one over draymond green late off a switch that was just completely ridiculous i mean his body control is just fantastic uh and overall for him 33 points 11 to 21 from the field four assists and only two turnovers which is excellent considering how much he was handling the ball and having to create and then rudy gobert was awesome as well 37 minutes for him 16 and 16 and he continues to get a pretty rough whistle I thought of his six fouls maybe two of them were like phantom like what the hell is this and then the other four maybe only one of them was like okay this is an obvious call and the rest of them were like kind of borderline um 
you know, where you would expect maybe like 50% of those get called and all of them get called. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those type of things. But but those two guys were great. And then really, there just isn't anyone else on this Utah roster who's been able to hang. Like Hood was okay in the first game, played 35 minutes tonight, but was 4-13, missed some wide open threes that I thought really could have swung the game a little bit more. But ultimately, the Warriors were in control the whole time. And the closest it ever got was six. And then at that point, Mike Brown with another move that I thought was a pretty savvy one uh, early in the third quarter with his lineups. Right. So about three minutes in, they were looking flat. They had they'd already had that. I think it was in that quarter where they just lost Shelvin Mack on a play that was completely indefensible. And they just he just popped a three on him. Yeah. And yeah, that was another play right. where they pushed the ball. They just didn't know who they yeah. had. And that yeah. was after a make. It was. And they had another one where they pushed off of a off of an basically off an air ball that went out of bounds, which was also very unjazz like. I was I was super happy about it. But so the Warriors really did struggle at the beginning of that third quarter, which was also jarring because of how well they played in the first. So starters versus starters. So Brown immediately went to Draymond at center, the Hamptons five, and the team responded. The lead had been cut, I think it was about in half in those first three minutes. And then the Warriors pushed it back out to double digits. And I think back out to like 13 or so when JaVale came in and they went more traditional again. I'm becoming further convinced that Sean Livingston probably shouldn't really play that much at this point because he just really mucks up the spacing a lot uh, and, and he played a lot of minutes in this game actually for him he uh had 15 minutes which is a lot more than he's been getting he was one out of three they needed him last year because just his ability to get it in the post when they didn't have anyone who could score at all in their second unit uh but now they're able to run stuff through david west uh, they've got thompson out there all the time with the second unit and so livingston he just hangs out on the baseline or right under the basket and there's so many times when they run a pick and roll and then it's just they run right into him you know <laughs> Or they try to run a back cut and then his guy is standing right there because he's standing right there. Where if just the guy was standing in the corner, like it, it's not a surprise that that second unit ran better once they went to Clark more. I, I'm talking about the start of the second and, and fourth quarter second unit. And Bob Volgaris was making this point that I thought was a good one of, and, and they're never going to do this now because they had some success with this. Uh, but the idea of just trying KD with that second unit again, and he gets like a minute or two with them before stuff comes back in. But with a little bit more shooting on the floor than they had when Livingston was kind of mucking things up a little bit. And Livingston is still a very quality defensive player. So I'm not saying he should be totally out of it. Uh, but I thought everything just functioned a little bit better with Clark or, or even McCaw out there just as a guy who can just stand out of the way and make an open shot because they have enough other talented guys who can score and Livingston's one-on-one abilities are less efficient than those other guys are. So now he's just kind of taking up space. The way I was thinking about it was the Warriors have gone a little bit more frequently now to bringing to pulling Draymond a little earlier in the first and third and then bringing him back before the end of that quarter and then he of course starts the second and fourth with that with that lineup so my idea was to instead when he comes back in if he's if you're going to do that in the first and or the third pull him bring him in and pull Durant then have Durant sit those extra two minutes or so and then bring him back in a little earlier and so at least then you get a bridge and get a couple more minutes I think that could help him a lot. The Jazz strategy has continued to be to let Draymond and Andre Iguodala beat them. Iguodala 0 for 3, again, all wide open threes. Missed. He is basically like 0 for 18 or something like that. And pretty much every single one of his threes has been wide open too. And he's hesitating a little bit on him, but he's still, you know, he's not like totally not taking them. And then Green, 5 for 8, that's not going to continue. But overall, between those two guys, they're 5 for 11. So that's still pretty good when you're considering that they're basically getting left open. And, and so that would still be my strategy if I were the Jazz and just hope that those guys collectively miss because I mean your other options are even worse uh especially when their five best guys are on the floor but and maybe they'll even they'll miss a little bit more on the road too that's the hope and what do you what kind of chances do you give the Jazz in uh game three Saturday night I think they have a decent shot, especially because they're going to have a, a ramped up crowd that hasn't seen them since game six. Remember, they they haven't played a home game since that. And we don't know if I, it looks like it was just a tweak, but Draymond also had the hip thing. I think if they're going to have any kind of ill effects of that, it'll be in game three. But yeah, I mean, if, if Utah doesn't win that one, they're not winning one the whole series. I, I think they'll win it. I think I predicted five and I did that for a reason. I think they're going to win. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, their crowd will certainly be fired up with the comments by Iguodala and Bar 
barns about the lack of utah nightlife and it kind of being boring me i thought those were pretty benign frankly but uh anytime you make it a comment about any region whether it's true or not and as i mentioned i i happen to love utah and i don't really care to go out until four in the morning so i i the lack of clubbing is not really a concern for me uh but you know anytime you make a disparaging comment about a region even if it's true you know people are not going to take it very well so they'll be fired up there's like t-shirts and stuff with uh, like m- making fun of that that joe ingles uh, reacted with some so good humor about it so that'll be an interesting one i mean we didn't even mention of course the fact that george hill was out too and he's been dealing with this chronic left toe issue for a long time still makes it all the more weird to me that he turned down that extension offer uh from the jazz we'll see whether he ends up beating that or not in free agency but i think his durability with this groin injury with this toe injury has not been particularly encouraging and i think in the last series they had more days off they're able to manage it but now with playing every other day in this series it's going to be difficult i think they made a great decision to leave him out for today if it was even borderline because you know they probably weren't going to win this game and on the road and then maybe you somehow win the next two at home and you can come back and try somehow desperately to steal game five but at least you know i mean they're probably not gonna win this series anyway but you can at least take a couple you know hope to take a game or two at home and look okay in this loss and still feel like you're making progress as a franchise and not just go out with a totally sour taste in your mouth after a, with a 4-0 loss um anything else you want to say on this one before we depart no i think that's about it <laughs> i've talked about it I've right, ta- well, if you want to hear my thoughts on it i did a locked on warriors with adam wardson that's like 25 minutes long yeah that's a great point david Locke, of course will be potting on this game in the morning too if you want to hear more about it from the a more jazz centric perspective so we'll give you some more on that we wanted to focus more on the free agency since neither of these games had, had any drama to them but thanks again of course for listening don't forget about our sponsors smile direct club use that cat space code for 50 percent off your evaluation today see whether their invisible aligners will be right for you and see so use that cat space code to get your first month free only $3.99 a month after that at CISO.com talk to y'all next time we're going to do Twitter NBA show on Friday Saturday and Sunday in some form or another so look out for that and of course uh, Patreon don't forget about that as well a great way to support both this show and the Twitter NBA show which we're doing ad free at the moment patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue did my first subscriber only periscope today from Oracle Arena we're going to try to continue to give you some benefits as subscribers but the main thing is just to hopefully support the twitter nba show and we appreciate all of that and hopefully we'll have some other interesting ventures coming up as we're going to try maybe something new in the next couple of weeks that uh i'm going to be cryptic about for now but hopefully can tell you more about soon enough so talk to you all soon reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.